Hey everyone, welcome to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast and this week's Coffee Smarter Session. Chris O'Brien from Coffee Cycle is back with me on the show this week to teach us all about Kopi Luwak, or cat poop coffee. The cat we talk about in particular is the civet. I know that's pronounced right because I did look it up. It's also known as the ring-tailed cat, a name which aptly describes the rings around its tail. I'll post a photo of it on roastwestcoast.com. As for how a coffee becomes known as a cat poop coffee, I'm going to let Chris explain. And I'm so excited about the show today that I'm going to skip all the other stuff and just jump right in. I hope your coffee cup is already full, because it is time for another episode of Coffee Smarter on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Speaking of meeting on the internet, good morning, good buddy. Welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Smarter Podcast today. Good morning. What's uh, what's the vibe over there? Are you feeling good? You ready to talk coffee? Oh, man. It's a beautiful day in paradise. I've had at least a cup already, um, maybe a cup and a half. So, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty ready. I don't have my sleepy voice on still. I, I need to ask you before we start today, do you think that I have gotten coffee smarter since we've started doing this? Ryan, you know, I feel like I've told you this before. Um, but I know you said it about yourself. So I just, it's kind of surprising to me that you ask that because there is no hope for you. Okay. <laughs> there is no hope for you. You are never going to get coffee smarter. You're, you've reached maximum. Okay. And, and I applaud your efforts, even though they're also shameful and bring tears to my eyes. I mean, I was fishing for a compliment there. And, um, so the question I have for you today is, and I want to get really deep into this and just ignore everything that just happened at the beginning of the show. Okay, deep into this question. We're ready. That's right. I want to ask you about cat poop coffee. And I don't know if oh, I'm pronouncing no. this right, but uh, Kopi Luwak from the Philippines. Yep. Is, is this a real thing? Which is a stupid question because I know that it is. <laughs> I want to know, and I think people want to know, what is this poop coffee? Why is it considered a delicacy? Why is it so expensive? Does it taste like poop? Do we know who the first person was to see a cat poop and say, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to put that in my cup of coffee in the morning? <laughs> Basically, I want to know everything there is to know about why this exists in the world and why it's, it's considered to be a delicacy and so valuable. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about Kopi Luwak. No problem. I am not from the Philippines, so I don't know if I'm actually pronouncing that right either. I do know that kopi just means coffee. So kopi luwak is the animal coffee or animal poop coffee. And specifically, the animal that we talk about mostly, I believe, is called a civet cat or a kibit cat, um, which is closely related to a weasel or a stoat. A stoat? Which is basically like a weasel. So, yeah. it's, it's Oh, so you were just being pretentious about it. You know, probably... Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm lashing out. That's, you that's, know, fair. I got, that's fair. You threw me off early in the show, so I, uh, well, I apologize. You, at least we get to talk about poop. So we got that going <laughs> for us. So Back to the poop, Chris. So Kopi Luwak. First of all, very first thing that I would like to say about Kopi Luwak is please, if you are listening to this, or if you're not listening to it, or if you know anyone who's listening to this, please never buy Kopi Luwak. Please never buy it. Please never buy it. And I'm going to say it one more time, at least, please never buy it. The main reason I ask you not to buy Kopi Luwak is that there are 
very immoral and morally morally reprehensible uh, methods of obtaining this coffee. Um, most of the time, the animals in question that are producing this these coffee beans are are being force fed the coffee in cages in kind of the worst factory farming uh, pro- worst factory farming processes that you'll you'll see uh it's it takes place in a lot of these third world southeast asian countries that are beautiful countries with beautiful culture but they do not have much if any animal rights protection sometimes you'll see kopi luwak sold that says humanely sourced or ethically sourced or ethically harvested um or even wild harvested and you know to that i say great that you bought that label on that bag but in vietnam or the philippines or wherever else you're going to be getting this coffee they don't really have regulations on what you can print on that bag either and there's no oversight for it even if they do have regulations on it so just as a rule of thumb no matter how much you want to brag to your friends that you tried the animal poop coffee blah 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 blah, please just just don't it's just an industry that we don't want to support uh that being said now get off the soapbox well get off that soapbox probably find some other one that being said the science behind kopi luwak is actually really cool and interesting to someone like me who finds poop cool and interesting uh (laughs) so a lot of food is fermented Uh, a lot of food that we don't think about is fermented when we say fermented that just means that we've allowed microbes bacteria funguses what have you to act upon the food we've allowed them to eat some of it and excrete some of it and that creates a lot of our favorite foods you know ryan and i we've had a fair few beers together you don't get beer without fermentation but beer is far from the only fermented thing out there um most things or many things are are fermented at some part in the process you know cheese sauerkraut tea and coffee yeah it's really amazing like i mean how little i think the myself included and a lot of just people who are going about their day know about how our food is created. Right. And and fermentation is one of those things where if you're in coffee or you're in beer or you're in some of these other industries, uh, dairy, uh, you learn more about, but I don't think that's like, it's not like you go to, you know, any general education school and they say, Hey, let's talk about fermentation. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so coffee fermentation occurs just after the farm level. So at the farm, you're going to pick cherries off of the branches and then you have to process them. You have to get the beans out of the cherry and that's where fermentation comes into play. Usually most places in the world, most coffee that's produced, they use what's called wash processing. And we talked about this in last season, Uh, We use wash processing to get the beans out of the cherry. And that just means you soak all the cherries in water until the fruit and skin of the cherry is extra soft. And then you use running water to remove that skin and fruit from the beans. And then you can dry the beans in the sun. But while those cherries are soaking in that water, there's microbial activity that's happening and is affecting the fruit and the skin and actually the bean itself. In natural processing, which is sort of the other end of the spectrum of coffee processing, you leave the cherries out in some dry, hot sun, and the cherries dry upon the beans, and they shrivel up and become these sort of coffee raisins, and then you can kind of pluck the beans out of the dried cherry. Now, when we talk about natural processing versus watch processing, we like to sort of take the shortcut 
of saying that in natural processing, by allowing the fruit to dry on the beans, we're allowing the fruit to infuse the bean with the fruitier flavors. And naturally processed coffees do tend to have a lot more fruit tasting notes. But the actual mechanism of how those fruit flavors get imparted onto that bean in that natural processing is actually a direct result of the different microbial populations that are acting upon that drying cherry as opposed to acting upon the soaking cherries in the wash processing. So in the big swimming pool full of water and coffee cherries in the wash processing method, you've got a bunch of bacteria and fungus that loves to live in a swimming pool full of water. It's water and it's fruit together. It's, it's a great combination for a lot of different microbes. You've got your sugar sources, you've got, you know, all these other kind of things that the, that the microbes can eat, and they're living in this, this watery, watery uh, environment. And at the end of the 24-hour soaking period, you'll actually see on the top of that water, it creates kind of a foam. And the foam is the basically exhalations, the, 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 the breath that the microbes are exhaling, creating these little micro bubbles. Um, and that's, that's how you can tell that you've had a good microbial population in your, in your wash processing. Um, in natural processing, as those cherries are drying on the beans, well, if you've ever left fruit in the sun to dry in your house, you know that it doesn't usually just turn into a nice pretty raisin. It rots and it goes bad and there's molds. So what we want in cold fermentation is we want to have control over what are good and bad microbes that are happening. So natural processing often tends to be a little bit more difficult because we have a little less control over exactly what microbes are going to act upon that drying cherry. But the microbes are what creates the good coffee that results. So don't worry, I've been on this long tangent of coffee processing. Let's bring it back to animal poop. The microbes that are present in the digestive system of these civet cats, these stoat relatives, is having a direct <laughs> impact on the flavor of the beans. I, I couldn't resist, Ryan. I couldn't Always. resist. Always with the poking. <laughs> so the microbial activity is going to be present in any form of coffee processing. And so rather than using the environment of soaking water or dry sun and rotting fruit, rather than using either of those environments or any simple combination of those like you would get in a semi-wash, you're actually using an existing microbial population that's controlled by the digestive system of a specific animal. And so conceptually, you can have almost any animal that can digest coffee cherries but won't break down the beans too much. You can have any animal process your coffee cherries for you. And somehow, and, and I, I know you want me to speculate on who figured out that eating these beans out of poop will... I, I honestly, like, that just creeps me out. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, easily creeped out. But the idea of someone experimenting with different seeds and different animals' poops is, is just weird to me. I hope that doesn't make me too weird that I think that's weird. I think that's pretty... Anyway, they figured out that this civet cat has a specific microbe population that has a really awesome effect on the coffee. Now, you're probably tempted to want to buy it again. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. 
I never honestly thought that there was a time where they were experimenting with the beans coming out of different animals. <laughs> I think in my head, I just assumed like from day one, they knew this cat would have this sort of thing. And, and, and they started experimenting on it as much as that might seem odd. But as you say it, I'm realizing there was probably a point where they were pulling these processed, as you so kindly say it, yep. beans out of the defecate of other animals as well yep. until they found the right one. And that is wild. Yeah, I believe I've seen more than just Civic Cat uh, coffee sold. I'm pretty sure I've seen elephant coffee sold. I can't recall specifically where I saw it, but yes, uh, it's it's that bad. They they Somebody had tried different animals' poop. So it's very cool. And like I said, now that I've described the science, you might want to buy it. And, and and I know I already did the moral soapbox thing, so I won't do that again, even though you should rewind the show and listen to that again if you're tempted to buy it again. But there's a problem with coffees that we think are really cool because of a specific thing. Um, there's a problem with buying them because of that specific thing. And the problem is that just because of that specific thing is cool doesn't mean the entire rest of the process to get the coffee wasn't good or was good. So well, what I'm saying by that is you can get the best Civic Cat digestive system possible. You can feed it as ethically as possible. But if you take terrible coffee and put it in, or if you take the coffee that comes out and you roast it terribly, there's still all kinds of ways to make coffee terrible. And so there's no incentive for someone who's selling you Kopi Luwak actually get good Kopi Luwak. And there's no incentive for anyone to create good Kopi Luwak because the coolness of the process, even if you don't understand it, it still has this sort of like, like, ooh, I did that kind of charm to it. The coolness of the process gives you the added value as a consumer and so there's no incentive for them to make it actually good tasting. The, the chemistry and the, the biochemistry that creates it is very interesting and unique. It has the potential to create something really, really yummy maybe, but you'll probably never know because anyone who would be doing it doesn't stand a profit by doing it. They are already profiting by doing it poorly. So why, why bother for them? Uh, there's really no, no reason to do it. So you know, your ability to find a Kopi Luwak that's actually good is, I mean, it's probably impossible in the first place, but then if you're not the world's coffee expert who has coffee buying connections all over Southeast Asia and has three Q graders in your personal retinue to taste all that, like there's just, there's just no way you're ever going to get good Kopi Luwak. And then you're tying in the moral, moral uncertainty of buying this terribly factory farmed thing and just stick with buying good coffee from direct trade partnerships from ethical small roasters. I mean, you, you just do yourself a world of good like that. Coffee is already wildly complex and unique. You can get from any of these roasters that are guesting on your shows and get some really cool different coffees. If you get one from every different roaster, they're all going to taste totally different. Um, you can come into coffee cycle. You can get anything from JBC coffee roasters that we work with or nostalgia or Costa Rica coffee where they do experimental processes that don't involve torturing animals. You know, there's all kinds of cool stuff out there without resorting to this animal poop coffee. Um, but it is great to talk about because the science of how it gets there is really cool. Even if it's a little gross. 
I'm not completely bummed out right now, but I'm pretty close. But I also think it's important to kind of share that message because I certainly didn't come into this conversation today thinking anything about that. You know, I wasn't thinking about the, you know, the the processing system or the way that that it the way that these animals might be treated. I just never it just wasn't something that I thought about. And I think being a conscientious purchaser or a conscientious consumer is such an important thing and something that, you know, our current time and our current generation has the ability to do. And I'm not saying previous generations didn't, but the ignor- the, the veil of ignorance was still there for a lot of people that kind of, oh, yeah. that, that grew up drinking coffee. You know, they weren't thinking about like, well, I've got this product. Where did it come from? They were just going, oh my God, this is amazing. I got this product <laughs> because it was new or it was, it was different. So I, I appreciate that you did that. I think I'll stick with with my regular cups of, from Zumbar or from Leap or, yeah. you know, Steady State. Well, it's like I'm not asking too much. It's like you can try to buy the nice eggs. You can try to buy the organic produce. I'm asking you not to drink poop coffee. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking the world here. It's going to be nice too because I won't like walk around. I won't go on a hike or anything and see some poop and want to collect it and bring it back to you to see if maybe there's coffee in it. Let's not be unrealistic here, Ryan. You're still going to bring me poop once a week every time we do these sessions. Once a week. Hey, well, that is hurtful and I feel like metaphorical. (laughs) And with that, I'm going to say thanks for your information and your kindness and generosity. And I just hope everyone knows that Chris O'Brien is a nice, genuine, sincere human being. I had a lot of fun this week, Ryan. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you again soon, bud. Well, that was an interesting show. And I've got some vocabulary for you today. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about how I met Chris a long, long time ago in a magical place far, far away known as Pacific Beach. I was hosting an underwear bicycle ride for charity. The goal was to raise awareness about body image expectations and generate donations for special needs kids. Chris was one of the first to arrive. It was then that I realized that while I had conceived of and planned and promoted this event, I had never really thought about how to approach a stranger to introduce myself while we were both in our underwear at a bar. I imagine we were both wondering if anyone else would show up. Our initial hellos were probably just as awkward as we are all imagining right now. I don't honestly remember much about the night or that conversation, except that about 40 of us rode our bicycles together down the boardwalk along the Pacific Ocean and I've had a great friend in Chris ever since. The point is, I was a beer guy, and Chris was a coffee guy. But we both loved riding our bicycles in a neighborhood that hasn't always been terribly friendly to cyclists. Thanks to a bunch of great local advocacy groups, Pacific Beach is so much better to ride around now than it was. But there are still trouble areas. Last week, one local cyclist, Lindsay Curran, was seriously injured in a hit-and-run accident just a few blocks away from Chris's shop, Coffee Cycle. Doctors have kept Lindsay in a medically induced coma to rest and protect her brain. The full extent of her condition won't really be known until they wake her up and run a bunch of tests. There are really just a lot of unknowns. But one thing is certain. The road to recovery will likely be long and difficult, no matter the outcome. There is a GoFundMe set up to help with the anticipated crush of medical bills. If you would like to, and you are in a position to help her, consider reaching out. I'll share that link in this show's notes and again on RoastWestCoast.com or in the Roast West Coast Facebook group. 
I don't know Lindsay, but if the tributes and the good vibes pouring in are any indicator, she has touched a lot of people in her life so far, and I anticipate will continue to do so. I don't know Lindsay, but I do know that corner where she was hit, and I remember how exposed I felt riding there every single day. I'm wishing a speedy recovery to her and my best to her family and friends. Now back to a little bit of Coffee Smarter before we go today. Today's vocab words, as always, are inspired by the show. The first one is fermentation. Fermentation is the enzyme-catalyzed anaerobic breakdown of an energy-rich compound by the action of microorganisms such as bacteria or yeast that occur naturally and are commonly used in the production of various products, such as food, alcoholic beverages, and pharmaceuticals. Okay. So the second word is going to be anaerobic, which was inspired by the definition of the first word. Anaerobic means living, active, occurring, or existing in the absence of free oxygen. And enzyme, which I'm now looking up, is a complex protein produced by living cells that creates specific biochemical reactions at body temperatures. This is a good reminder of why my college degree is a Bachelor of Arts and not a Bachelor of Sciences. For today's show, the way I'm following this fermentation situation, and with help from Chris's explanation, is that the coffee bean cherries go into a civet cat's mouth, where some of that cherry is broken down. The cat swallows, and bacteria and stomach enzymes, or proteins, break down the rest of the cherries. Then all that mush is pushed out of the cat through the intestines, and, left among the poop, are the coffee beans, which someone picks through, collects, cleans, puts in a bag, and sends to a coffee roaster, who then sells it to a person who grinds it and brews them into a cup of coffee to drink. The world is a funny place. Chris brought up a good point about the ethicalness of Kopi Luwak, and it's one that I'm going to take into serious consideration before ever making the decision to try it. I anticipate that I probably won't, but I'm glad that I learned about it just to know what sort of things exist out there in the world. Learning is a lot of what Roast West Coast is about. It's just a focused learning about coffee. If you want to help support Chris, obviously you can go to his shop or buy his coffee beans, but you can also follow at coffee underscore cycle on Instagram to see him in action at work and to see what is going on day to day in the shop. You'll also often see what cool bikes are pulling up out front. Next week, Tuesday, this show will be back with a great episode featuring local coffee roaster and all-around good guy Danny Iverson of Iverson Coffee Roasters, and another Coffee Smarter a week from today with our roasting expert Siri Simran Kalsa, head roaster and director of coffee at Lofty Coffee. Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you have enjoyed today's show, I'd appreciate it if you tell a friend. It's the best way to help me grow this program. And then if you got time, follow at Roast West Coast on Instagram, and tag me in the photos of your own coffee adventures. I can't leave without, of course, asking you to sign up for the newsletter on roastwestcoast.com. Newsletters come out every Tuesday and Friday when these shows are released. And if you're listening to the show and you find that you're in need of some coffee, head to a local coffee roaster or cafe to refill your stock. And if you're in the SoCal area or interested in ordering some SoCal coffees, Check out the great roasters and shops that Roast West Coast has partnered with to help uplift the local coffee community, including Leap Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Steady State Roasting, Camp Coffee, 
Café Terre, Coffee Cycle, and Moster Coffee. If you need a little whiskey to add to your cup of coffee, check out First Light Whiskey, and of course, a thank you to Cape Horn Coffee Importers. You can find links to all of their online shops in this podcast episode's show notes or right on the front of RoastWestCoast.com. This episode of the Roast West Coast podcast was written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt, and I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please, always be sure to drink good coffee. So, you love coffee, right? And if you're here in San Diego, you probably love San Diego. And since you love San Diego, you're probably into politics. That's a little bit of a stretch, but it seems possible. If all of that is true, then there's another show you should check out. It's called The Voice of San Diego. It's a weekly news podcast for local politics nerds. Every Friday, the editors at The Voice of San Diego podcast break down the biggest stuff that happened over the course of the week. Then they give their take on what it all means. You can check it out now, wherever you are listening to this show. And one more time, that's the Voice of San Diego podcast.
Hey everyone, this is Cody from San Diego's first and longest running local beer podcast, Beer Night in San Diego. If you love the local beer community, check out Beer Night in San Diego, available everywhere podcasts are found. Each and every week we bring you great local beer discussion, beer education, news, and tons more with a touch of comedy. Check out Beer Night in San Diego to laugh and learn with us.